Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life, with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey there, and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR Lady, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for being part of this and yet another episode. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm here to share with you the strategy and the tactical HR knowledge so that you can master the what and the how in this field. And I'm in the human business, which means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. And this is year another year of insanity and craziness, but we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and it is not a full year of uncertainty. So as we inch towards a return to normalization, please keep in this mind, do not be marginally happy. Your success and achievements begin and end with you. Give to never receive in this business, but invest in yourself to keep that balance and build strong working relationships with your company leaders. Okay. So folks, do me a favor. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, and please give us a five-star rating. Okay. We know there's a lot of really good folks out there like you who are looking for information like this and strong ratings help them find what we're doing here. All right, give, give out, we give out a lot of really, really great information and I'm just here to help. That's what I plan on doing. So you can also find really great nuggets of information on my social platforms and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Clubhouse, particularly in Clubhouse by searching for Brenda the HR Lady and over in LinkedIn, you can find me by my name, Brenda Neckbottle. All right, so today I'm going to share with you unemployment law changes that are happening across the nation and how you can get access to vital HR news that impacts your business every day. Um, We're also going to share a cool new topic or new book that came out called Attributes uh, with a friend of mine, U.S. Navy SEAL Rich DeVinney. And I'm so excited for you to listen to this. This is an awesome, awesome, awesome interview. And we're going to get into our HR question of the day. But before we do, folks, please understand that the information that is available through this podcast is for informational purposes only, and it is not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your employment attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue that you may be having. And if you do not have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me, and I may be able to refer one to you through our affiliates program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. All right, so juicy hot case. I have been waiting waiting, waiting, waiting for this to come up. And, and the reason, and I'm, the reason I'm so excited about it is not because I want to see a yay or nay answer on this. I just want an answer to this, right? So here it is. Over in New Mexico, the Donna Anna County Detention Center in Las Cruces, New Mexico has been taken to court for mandating the COVID-19 vaccine from an employee. Now, This is a big deal, and this is a case to watch, all right? 
From an employment perspective, the policy generally was pretty much well-drafted and communicated and everybody knew what was going on. However, the employee that challenged the mandate challenged it under the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, or the FDCA, not under any employment laws. And it appears to be the first of its kind in a court case challenging challenging a vaccine mandate. And it sounds like a lot of employers are not going down this road because it is very complex. But the suit alleges that the state's action is actually preempted by a federal law that is relative to emergency use authorizations, which is also known as the EUA. And because the vaccine was actually approved under that, the federal law apparently dictates that it cannot be mandated. All right. So I have said this Many times in the past, I don't think I've actually said it here on this podcast, but I know I have said it throughout my career. So here's what I'm going to tell you guys. Employees do a lot of research, and it's very likely that this employee, I either uncovered this or had a really, really, really great attorney. But it is very likely that the employee wound up doing some form of research and was able to actually uh, present their concern. And here we are. And this is, this is going to be, if this goes through, this is a landmark case, no doubt about it. Now, over on March 4th, uh, the judge actually denied a request for a preliminary injunction because the employee who filed the complaint had not been harmed, which means that the employee actually at the time has been employed. So this is a case to watch, and this is not over yet, okay? So definitely, 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 if you want to learn about this, DM me on Instagram, send me a Facebook message, reach out to me, and I will be happy to go ahead and share with you the links to this, because this is going to be big stuff, all right? We have been waiting for this, and, you know, it's the one thing about our policies and our procedures here in HR is that when we have something new, we actually don't always have all the answers, and so therefore, these things have to go through litigation. The good news is that you don't want to be the one employer that is the first one going through litigation and that's a that's a quasi direct quote from my partner in crime Suzanne Lucas when we do the real HR show I love that phrase man I wish I owned it <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't have to give her credit for it but it's her line and I just think it's brilliant so anyway and oh yeah by the way speaking of which before I forget we are moving the real HR show from YouTube over to Clubhouse <laughs> which is going to be awesome. So if you're in Clubhouse and uh, you want to catch us and see what's going on, follow us over at the HR Club and um, follow me, Brenda, the HR lady, and you can listen to us and you can engage and interact because Clubhouse is where it is. I'm telling you, holy cow, it's growing and it's a great, great place. All right, so... We're going to get to the main segment here in just a minute, but it, like I said, if you guys want a copy of this article, if you want some information, hit me up, reach out to me, it'll be more than I can get it to you, and uh, have an awesome rest of your day. Hang on, and we'll get to that next segment. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number 
launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina, along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows, and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. Folks, today we've got an old acquaintance of mine I haven't talked to for a long time, actually. And uh, he popped up on my LinkedIn profile with some pretty awesome news. And here we are just having a good old conversation like we used to in a cup of, cup of coffee. I'd like to introduce to you guys, everybody, uh, former or excuse me, I know better than that, retired U.S. Navy retired. SEAL, yes. Rich Devini. How are you? Great. Although former, does, doesn't, former sometimes seems better because retired ah! seems like uh, it seems old, but yeah, I but I, there's that. a distinction, right? Former is, you know, retired as you've done the 20 years or more. So I, know, but but I, I do not want to wake up in rigorous tape one morning. <laughs> well, something I don't like mind. That. I don't mind either. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So Rich and I met each other. He was in the first class at the Honor Foundation over in the East Coast as a fellow. And uh, I was one of the coaches. Well, I've been a coach since the beginning of it. So yeah. over on the East Coast, so that's pretty cool. So Rich went for the, through the first class and uh, then retired shortly after. And you've just been crushing it ever since. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's uh, as you as you recognize, and and the Honor Foundation is so good at at teaching you as as you are as a as a coach uh, is that you know you have to you, you even though you're coming from this this long kind of career of of certainty, you are you are in essence diving into uncertainty, and you have to be willing to be flexible and adaptable. And um and I have as well. I mean, I I got out. I started with I started full time with a leadership institute. Who you know out of St. Louis, the chat, well, Barry Way Miller, now the Chapman and Co and doing work with my buddy, Simon Sinek. And, and, um, and then after about a year went, you know, independent contractor because I wanted to kind of start doing my own thing. So, uh, so I started doing that. And then of course, you know, said, you know, I kind of want to have this idea for a book and, um, and now we're in the book path. So, so it's been a, uh, an evolving process, which I think is natural. And as you know, is something that most transitioning vets have to be coached on because that's that's not the expectation. The expectation is, you know, drop out of one thing and right into another, and that's just not uh, that's just no. not reality. No, and a lot of people have that same perception. I mean, even I fight it too. It's like I get an idea about something, and I'm like, oh my god, everybody's gonna love this. And <laughs> right. you know, I mean, especially earlier on when I went into the entrepreneurial route, 
And I was always like that. And I'm like, and then I would get disappointed when I didn't see the return, like in a week and I wasn't a millionaire, Right. <laughs> you know, right. and it just, it was a lot of self-discipline to kind of reel it back in again. But so can you, can you kind of give people a little bit of a background? Because I do want to talk about your book called the attributes, the 25 hidden drivers of drivers of optimal performance. Can you kind of help people understand a little bit about your background and, and how you came to this book? Absolutely. Well, so, I mean, I mean, I started, I, I, I went into the Navy in 1996. I, I came out of a ROTC program at Purdue, got commissions, went straight to SEAL training and spent, you know, as we just mentioned, 20 plus years in the, in the Navy. During that time frame, obviously a very Connecticut period uh, and, you know, went, did a lot of tours for Iraq and Afghanistan. One of my jobs though uh, was to run training for a very specialized SEAL command. So it was, so it was an assessment selection training course that's separate from BUDS, which is, you know, the basic underwater demolition SEAL training where, where a Navy sailor goes and goes through the six month process. And at the back end is the Navy SEAL, right? And that's where you have hell week and all that stuff. This process I was running was for a specific command. It was, it was separate. And we, we would take, um, very, uh, like, like some of the, the top of the top of the pick, like the, some of the best guys to come to this selection process, put them through our own. Um, and we'd get about a 50% attrition rate, even on that one, right? Uh, which is fine. I mean, that's natural. But the problem we were running into was was effectively articulating why guys weren't making it through or or even succeeding. But certainly the guys who weren't making it through, and we had nothing better than than things like, well, they couldn't shoot very well. They couldn't um, they couldn't operate inside the, the close quarter combat house very well or, or you know, any, things like that, which didn't make a lot of sense because again, these were very experienced SEALs. Mm -hmm. um, so it was dissatisfying to us as the cadre. It was dissatisfying to the senior leadership who wanted to know why. And it was especially dissatisfying to the candidates who were being told, hey, you didn't cut it. And like, well, that doesn't feel very good, right? Right. And so in that, in kind of, in trying to articulate that process and examining it, what I realized was that we were actually, we were explaining, we were explaining success and failure the wrong way because we were we were looking at the wrong things and this is where i began to distinguish the differences between attributes and skills um and i'll get into that i know because we're going to talk about it but you know carry that forward to it was kind of always in the back of my mind i carry that forward to retirement and post-retirement i'm talking about leadership and, and high performing teams and i had a lot of people coming to me from businesses and organizations talking to me about dream teams that they put together of the very best of their company organization and um, the team would be great for a few days while things were growing great. But as soon as, as soon as side uh, curveballs were thrown in or things went south or, or challenges hit, the teams would start to fall apart and become toxic and, and things like that. So, and they would ask me, Hey, what, you know, why do you think that is? And my immediate answer was, well, it was because you probably selected the team based on the wrong things. You were looking at skills versus these things called attributes. And so I realized that there was an idea for a book here. And, um, and basically took what I, the work I'd done on the teams, I tried to take as much seal stuff out of it. Not, not so much to, 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 um, to, uh, disassociate with the seal teams, but more to kind of ubiquitize the, the ideas and the concepts. So it was more relatable for everybody. And, um, and that was the inception of the book, the 25 attributes of optimal performance and, and what are those things that cause us to behave the way we do? Those innate kind of in, internal qualities. That's what I'm really interested in. I'm interested in, in the elemental behaviors of people. Why and how do people do what they do? Um, that's much, that's deeper and more atomic than they're, they're a good 
they're good at throwing a ball or they're good at you know running a, a mile or they're good at uh graphic design you know what are those elemental things and that's that and so there we have it that's the that's the book and so uh so i talked about the 25 and, and kind of lay it out that's awesome so how long did it take for you to work through this process of identifying the 25 attributes well interesting enough i i used the work i'd done in the teams and then so when i was at the at the team what we did to start identifying attributes was we basically put together smaller committees and things and, and asked ourselves the question, okay, what are the attributes we're looking for in, in, the, in, the, in the person we were looking for for this command? And we came up with ultimately a list of 36. And so I had that list because I kept it, right? Um, and so I took a look at that. I, I kind of took that list out. I dusted it off and said, okay, when I look at this, how does, how does some of these relate to, to everyday life? You know, if we were to kind of, again, ubiquitize this and and we're, was able to kind of rework the list. Um, certainly some of those things stayed that were on the original list, some, some left and some new ones were put in um, and, and boiled it down to these 25. And what was interesting is I also, as I did that, they also began to naturally clump into these five categories that I kind of break it out in the book, right? So what are the attributes that make up grit? What are the attributes that make up mental acuity? What are the attributes that make up drive? What are the attributes that make up great leadership and then great team ability, which is the ability to kind of operate in a team. And so that's how they kind of clumped together. And then, then that became the, the book really. That's awesome. So what have, what has been your biggest takeaway in going through this process for you? Um, for me, I've realized that the value of writing um, at least from a, well, there's, there's many values, but certainly from a discovery standpoint, um, it seems to me the way, it seems like the way my mind operates is that as I begin to write about something, I, I discover more about it. It, it almost cues me in to dive deeper. And so, uh, so I love the process because I took some of the, I took these attributes that were simply just words mm -hmm. up until the point I had to you know, I was staring at a, at a blinking cursor on a blank page and said, how the heck am I going to write 2,500 words about perseverance, right? I mean, so, um, and it forces you to say, okay, let's think deeply about this specific thing. Let's dive deep. Let's figure out what it is. Let's deconstruct it and, and figure out some stories to wrap around. And that I really, that was a very enjoyable process, both in, in doing that, but also just being able to really, um, again, go a little bit more subatomic. I'm really interested in getting things down to like the nitty gritty, like, like, how, because because I think I'm a, I'm a big believer that the the smaller and more granular you can get something, the more relatable it is to every human being, uh, because then then you can break it into pieces. Because to say to to try to tell someone, oh, you have what a Navy SEAL has, well, that's that's unrealistic for someone who's looking at the SEALs and like, how the heck can I relate to that person, right? But but ultimately, the person who works and survives through cancer has the same things the Navy SEAL does, right? The, the, the kid who, who does great on their exams and, and, and passes their, and, and works hard and, and does great schoolwork has what the same things the Navy SEAL does. So, so we all as human beings have these innate capabilities and, and to try to granularize it, I guess, um, helps explain it in a way that helps it be more relatable. So that's what was really fun for me. I love <clears throat> at the top of every chapter, you have, you've, you've got, you know, the title of your chapter, but then you also have a definition of what the chapter really focuses in on. So like, for instance, um, chapter 12, mastering the pivot, boy, pivot comes into play <laughs> this past year, didn't it? 
man, yeah. you could not have dropped the book uh, in a perfect time. Use that <laughs> word. And yeah. Please, man. So, and then underneath it, you have self-efficacy, which is a belief in one's ability to achieve a goal, especially when the path is uncertain and unknown. My favorite one so far is chapter 14. The fish is the last to discover water. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Open-mindedness. Right? Open-mindedness. Right. Exactly. Willingness to consider and accept new ideas, opinions, and perspectives. So I think, it, I mean, everything that I've read so far, I haven't gone through the whole book, but it's, it's a very clever book. It's, it's very smart. What would you say is your favorite part of it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, yeah. in writing it, my favorite part was coming up with those chapter names. <laughs> that that, was, they're that, creative. I like that. That was the most fun for me. It um, was fun. Yeah. Because, it is fun. Yeah, because then you can get a little, you can get like, you can get crazy. I mean, you can get kind of out there and, and have some subtext and things like that. Um, uh, I would say that the chapters, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'd have to, I couldn't boil it down to one. I loved, you know, the cards chapter was one of the first I wrote and I really loved that because it dove into the neuroscience quite a bit and, and involved work that I've, that I've been doing with a good friend of mine, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who's a Stanford neuroscientist and it involved stuff we've been talking about for, for a few years. Um, I loved also um, diving into the more pejorative ones, narcissism, cunning. Um, those were more; those were fun because I knew I was gonna I was gonna raise eyebrows, and so to try to effectively explain these things in a non-pejorative way was really really fun for me. Um, and then I did like you know the discovery process in the book. You'll see there's a chapter that I call the others, which talks about some attributes that didn't fall they didn't bend properly into the other categories and it was because they just they showed up a little bit differently uh i loved kind of diving into those distinctions as well so i think i think there's there's no one thing but i think uh i think that that combination was probably all all kind of fun for me what's well, also cool is that when you write books sorry the dog is going off one of the things that's awesome when you write books, you get to use words like pejorative. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You learn a, you learn some vocabulary that you didn't know before. <laughs> that's right. Otherwise, every other word is like mine and it's right. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is great. So how how would you recommend? So it's a great read. And how would you recommend people and readers to actually take and apply this information? Because I think it's one thing to know it's one thing to do self personal reflect but it's always beneficial when you can get a better understanding of how to actually yeah. apply well the first step is to you know obviously read the book because it 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 generates and gives someone a terminology a, a kind of a language around this and and we right, all know exactly. just from a just from a purely scientific level as soon as you're able to start putting language around a concept it's much easy, more easily digestible, and then by in 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 that frame of reference, also then repeatable. So um, so so reading the book will allow a language to be formed around each of these because because some of these attributes um, have have might have some different meanings for other people um, in in terms of the way in comparison to the way I define them. So something like resilience, I've, I've talked to some people who are like. Well, yeah, resilience kind of have, has always meant for me this, right? And so I and I accept that. That's okay. Right. Um, I just try to define it from an attribute perspective. Same with discipline. Discipline is, is I describe it as being different than self-discipline. Okay, and that and those are distinctions that actually need to be made so that people more understand and better understand their behavior. So so first read the book because it'll provide a language, and then and then of course um, it'll also allow someone to start thinking about how this applies to them. And and again, I endeavored to write a book that was about the reader, not about Navy SEALs, not about 
you know, high performing yeah. athletes. I wanted people to read the book and say, oh, wait a second, this is about me. And this is making me think about me. And I think so far, the, the, the response I've gotten is that it's, it's doing just that. Um, and so it's meant to be a reflective and self uh, introspective or uh, reflective and introspective process so that one can start saying, okay, how does this actually apply to me in my own life? Because again, the, the, the good news is that we, we all have all of the attributes, okay? Every one of us. The difference in right. each one of us is that we, we come to the table with different levels of each one, right? So, so I might be out of a, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, I might be a level eight on adaptability, for example, which means when the environment changes around me without my control, it's fairly easy for me to go with the flow, okay? Someone else might be a level two, which means when the environment changes around them, it's hard for them to go with the flow. It's really, it's, they go kicking and screaming, right? Now, there's no judgment on that. It'd be like judging our hair color. It's ridiculous, right? It's just who we are, it's how we show up. Um, but the idea is if I know that about myself, um, then I understand why when the environment changes around me, I feel so upset if I'm a level two, right? Um, whereas, whereas otherwise I might not have known that. I think one of the comparisons I've been making recently is that, you know, cause again, we're in this time frame now where we have been talking about unity and uniting. And it's so important that we do. It's so important that we remember that we're all human, okay, first. Um, however, um, we're all, we all come with differences, right? So if, if I, I use the automobile analogy, right? We're all, we're all automobiles, right? But some of us are Jeeps, some of us are Ferraris, some of us are SUVs, right? Now, again, no judgment because the Jeep can do things the Ferrari can't do and the Ferrari can do things the Jeep can't do, right? But the key is lifting your own hood and figure out what, what engine, what car you are, because you might be a Jeep trying to run on a Ferrari track, or you might be a Ferrari trying to run on a Jeep track, right? Yeah. And and so understanding your own engine allows you to understand, hey, am I on the right track? And if I'm not, if I choose to be a Jeep running on a Ferrari track, which is also perfectly okay, because we all have free will, then what are those attributes that I need to, to actively and proactively develop more of so that I can run better on this track? Um, and I think that's what the book will allow people to start doing for themselves. And, you know, I, I like how you approach it because, you know, let's face it, looking at ourselves and being critical towards ourself and, and accepting the things that we perceive are shortcomings is not easy. Right. It's right. a very humbling, humbling experience. And one of yeah, the yeah. things that, like I said, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but what I have read so far is that it, it does two things. Number one, it allows you to have that internal conversation with yourself, honestly, and, and, you know, we all kind of have to like, not, we have to figure out how not to beat ourselves up when we discover something ab about ourselves. Right. Yeah. And, and that's hard to do. You know, that's yeah. a real hard thing to do, especially if you're a driver personality, like we are, you know, it's like, you want to be the best you, you're in your, your achiever. And when you, when you come short on something like that, you are also your worst enemy when it comes and your biggest critic. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is that it also puts it in a position, the person in a position not to label themselves as something either. So, yeah. you know, like, for instance, when you have a group that does, I don't know, disc assessment, for instance, right? And, you know, depending, like I've taken this several times and depending upon the role that I'm in is dependent upon how I answer the questions and what my what my rating is going to be. So. I write, you know, for the last several years, I've been writing either as a high D or a high I, kind of depending upon which situation I'm in. If I'm building and running a group, a, a team, then my high D comes out. But just shortly behind that, and I mean, like, not even a quarter of an inch is the high I, which means I'm a high influencer. 
But if I were to consistently exist or people were to look at me and it's just like, oh, there's Brenda, you know, she's a high D watch out because she's going to rip your face off when you tell her something. It's like, no, you can't really do that. That's that's not fair to yourself. It's not fair to the other people. So people are I guess my point is that people naturally start judging and we take assessments and information like this and we tend to label. And then that's our way of attempting to relate to. Yeah. So you're, you're absolutely right. And I think there's there's two things that I'm really keen on, and that is um, trying to A, not judge and B, not bias, um, but mm. to ourselves. Right. Because it goes right. both ways. And I think I think it's 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 as important as it is to be critical of ourselves. It's just as important to be complimentary of ourselves. Um, the problem is when we're critical of ourselves, we judge. And when we're complimentary, we often bias. Okay. So, so, but, yeah. but, but again, if we, if we're realistic, we approach this from a very realistic and articulate way, mm -hmm. then we can start mapping ourselves in a very um, tangible, non-judgmental, non-biased way. It's a, this is who I am. Okay. I'm awesome at this, this, and this. I just, I just, for some reason I was given those, those gifts, right? Um, and I'm not so good at this, this, and this, and and it gives a, and that's who I am. I mean, it's 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 as again, it's as um, it's as simple as how we're born with whatever skin color or hair color or or size or or um, uh, or <laughs> or aptitude of sports <laughs> we may have, right? Um, it's uh, it, it's it's it is what it is, and I think I think we start on a very very effective pathway of self improvement and potential. Um, if we if we first understand us, because a couple things happen. First of all, we take accountability for everything, and that's powerful. That that's control. Accountability is control, right? So we take accountability for it. Um, and then second of all, we start to understand better what uh, what works to help enhance our engines, right? There's so many different things out there today. Um, people, organizations, whatever, peak performance coaches, all that stuff. Who and there's there's so many so many different and valuable tricks and tips and hacks to increase your performance okay um and all of them i would say i would say most of them are probably pretty good the problem is they're not all one one size fit all right we, we don't we don't some some that work on a few people don't work on other people and so so it's kind of like if you understand your engine then you're not going to try to put the nitrous oxide pack on your jeep engine right right and you're not going to you're not going to try to put the big tires on your ferrari uh, because those are tips that will work on a jeep but not on a ferrari so i think that understanding helps you start to also distinguish um, and and discern in this field of great stuff that's out there in terms of helping and enhancing mm -hmm. performance. <laughs> well, apparently he agrees. Well, good, I, good. Yeah, I think it's also really great because I, I think it gives the person the opportunity to start appreciating their own attributes too, which is mm -hmm. something that is also difficult for people to do because we're so used to looking at everybody's you know, highlight reel, and then we compare that to our behind the scenes, right? Yeah, yeah. But it, but that's just human nature. And, well, and and social media, by the way, has exacerbated that, right? Because social media yes, is all about. I'm, I'm going to post the the sexiest picture of myself in the best light possible, because I'm trying to create a window, a porthole from which I want the world to see me. But that's that's just a that's all it is. It's a porthole. Yeah. To give to use a nice great naval term, right? I mean, it's uh, but but again. The reality is we are a we are all very complex and we're all diverse and we all have ups and downs. And we all have great days and bad days and we all have beautiful days and we all have ugly days and and accepting all of that is is human. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and it goes to my point that, you know, it's like when you start looking at attributes of yourself, 
it gives you an opportunity to start to begin to appreciate who you are as an individual. It's like, oh yeah, I really do do that, you know, yeah. because of because it's an it's an external definition and it's not your definition. Yeah. yeah. Not, I mean yeah. that it's Rich Divini's it's Rich Divini's definition, not Brenda's definition, right? right? In the conversation right. that I'm having with my own little Geppetto in my head. So totally, yeah, totally, you're exactly right. Yeah. So I think it, it kind of lack of a better word, it kind of gives somebody a little bit of room to kind of forgive themselves almost a little, which comes with some of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I went through it when I was doing some self-improvement work and there were at, there were things about me that I didn't realize, but I didn't appreciate either. And well, I'll tell you what, I corrected those real quick, but one thing that I discovered is that it's kind of hard to forgive yourself when you look well backwards. it is uh and one of the keys is to is to remove as much judgment as possible because if you start to recognize that this is who i am then you realize well there's nothing really to forgive i mean it's again yeah. it's like I, I should i forgive myself for having brown hair I, 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 probably not right and and even as a seal like listen i talk about in the book about being scared of heights you know i don't like heights at all and um and so i recognize about that by, by myself pretty early and I said, okay, well, that's who I am. Well, guess what I have to do? I have to work harder every time I jump out of an airplane. That's just what I have to do. You know, I recognize about myself that I'm slow when it comes to learnability, one of the attributes I talk about. What did that mean? Okay, well, when I was when I was learning something or in some sort of training course, I had to take the time to stay extra extra time. Some guys could pick it up within seconds. Okay, yep. I, I can't be jealous of that. That's just who they are, right? I mean, whatever. I just have to do what, what it takes for me to, to succeed. And, and understanding that removes judgment and just it gets you into action versus um yeah. uh, judgment yeah and i think that's the great part is that you uh, you you just summed it up right there it's like you came to a level of acceptance of who you are mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the reason why people cast judgment not only on themselves individually but other people is that there is no acceptance of who yeah. you are as a person or as somebody is as who they are yeah well and also just we also have to recognize i think as humans that when when that occurs when we are not accepting of ourselves it's most often because we are comparing to others you know yes. and um and if yeah. you come at it was like with this idea that hey there's there's no comparison i mean it's apples and oranges right we're both fruits but we're just different you know and and that <laughs> and that helps um that helps with this idea that hey it's useless. It's a useless endeavor to compare um, uh, because you're not going to, unless it's a skill. I mean, you can, you can certainly practice skills in a way that can compare and compete, right? But you can't compete. I mean, how can I compete with you on patience? Like, you know, that's an attribute. I can't compete on patience. It's just not, it doesn't do that. So it's, it's simply a, something that, that helps drive behavior. So, yeah. You know what I find interesting about attributes? What? Twins do not have the same attributes. <laughs> <laughs> not at all they're yeah. similar ones but they're different and i say that we're laughing about this because i got to tell you the story about rich's rich's uh your his retirement ceremony <laughs> and then the jackass that i made of myself in the process it was really funny so i was really excited to be invited to rich's retirement ceremony for a couple of reasons number one it was rich and i was really excited for him i've been i you know that's one of the the perks about being at the honor foundation is that when you build these relationships you get to experience things that you wouldn't normally experience and going to seal retirement ceremonies is very impressive and so 
um, riches actually took place in the back end of team two, which I never told you what happened before as I was getting there. Um, I, you know, they, they had a CB out front or somebody out front, a tech or something that was, you know, guiding people to where they needed to go. And so we were parking across the street from the SEAL Team 2 building. And um, the guy said, yeah, just go right over here. Go go right, right around the corner. Well, I went around the corner. What he didn't tell me was go around the corner, not through the gate. So I went through the gate up into the front door of SEAL Team 2. And this dude was standing there looking at me at the front desk. He's like, can I help you with something? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm walking in there like I own the joint, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so and I said, I'm here for Rich's, um, you know, Rich Divinity's retirement ceremony. He goes, oh, ma'am, you're in the wrong part. He says, you have to go out around and through the back and i said that is not the direction that i got so yeah. there were two guys that were running up the running up because you have to go through one gate to get through another gate to get into the building so the two guys running up to the gate and like ma'am you're in the wrong spot i'm like yes i realize that so we were all laughing about it so we come start walking out to the back we go into the back where the garage door is and there i see rich which i didn't think he would be in his bdu uniform it was just you know regular Military. But what was weird is that it was a different color uniform, which I'd never seen on a seal before. And I thought, hmm, that's kind of interesting. And he got a haircut. Yeah. And and I'm looking at him. I'm like, huh. So I just walk up to him think, well, maybe he'll go change into his dress blues or something. And I'm like, so are you excited? And I give him this big hug. And he's looking at me like this. Look at us. He says, I am. And it was and we were laughing. And then all of a sudden you come up behind me. I'm like, oh, Jeez, what the <laughs> hell? I said, I didn't know you had a twin brother. And we were all laughing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was hilarious. And your brother's like, that's like the best hug I've ever gotten. <laughs> well, just don't tell your wife. I don't want to get in right. trouble. <laughs> well, he's, uh, you know, it's funny. When you're a twin, you're all like, you get used to that kind of stuff. So, uh, so that's happened quite a bit, which is funny. <laughs> and you guys are, oh, my gosh. You, yeah, identical is not even the appropriate word. I mean, well, and you're it's almost, funny almost I, a carbon copy of each. We are, yeah. I would say, I, and I would say, actually, we probably have a lot of the similar attributes. I know we we <laughs> chose different, um, we chose different career paths, but um, but you know, people, you know, people always ask me, do you think your twin brother would have made it through SEAL training? And I, I, you know, I always joke with him that he wouldn't, but ultimately, I do think he, I, I think he would have, you know, um, because we do have some of the same attributes as well. Although even even those are different. Every human being is different, regardless of whether or not you're absolutely you, you, you share the same, um, you know. DNA. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Oh my gosh. I know. I was like, man, got that haircut. You know, it was yeah. just, it was so funny. So can you tell people where, so the title of the book is called the attributes, 25 hidden drivers of optimal performance by Rich Davini. Where can they find the book? Well, it can be found at any place they sell books, right? So uh, they're, <laughs> you know, books for bookstores online or offline, right? Um, Amazon, all that stuff. However, you can also go to the website, theattributes.com. Um, there you can find more about the book. You can buy the book or at least have links to go buy the book. Um, we also though, at, on the website have to develop some assessment tools, right? So, nice. um, so you can basically take uh, the grid assessment, the drive assessment or the mental acuity assessment and figure out where you stand on those particular attributes. The only caveat I'll give people who go and take the assessment is that it's going to be a comparison. It's a snapshot, really, because, you know, we get that data from a thousand or so people and then um, and then you take the, the assessment and what it'll do is it'll give you a, a comparison to that data pool, right? So as compared to this data pool, you are a, a medium level grit or a low level or excuse me, not grit, but um, adaptability or low level 
um, resilience or whatever. So just it, it, it requires, even when you get those results, some self-reflection and mm -hmm. some introspection to say, okay, does this, how do these results mean to me? And, and uh, a chance to look back at situations of challenge, uncertainty and stress where attributes are the most visible and visceral uh, to see if those things, if those scores actually apply to, to you. So, so you could do that there. And I've also just added some workbooks on there. So if people want to develop those attributes, um, you can get a workbook that'll help you develop whatever attribute you want to develop as well. So that's wonderful. That is awesome. I love it. So other than the website, is there, are there other ways that people can connect with you and follow what you do? Yeah. So I have Instagram. So rich underscore Divini. Um, I guess it's at rich underscore Divini for Instagram <laughs> and also at the end, the attributes also at Instagram at the attributes. Um, and then LinkedIn are the two main platforms that I'm, that I'm on. So, uh, so definitely encourage people to, to follow me there and, um, and check it out. That's awesome. Well, thank you so very much. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure to visit and thanks for, it's been, it's been just as much of a pleasure here with you and the, and, and your dog. And I love dogs. So it's, I hear your cat it's, in the background. It's, yeah. My cat. Yeah. Animals are great. Animals are the <laughs> elemental versions of us. So they're, they're, the, right. they're the purest things. So yes, yeah, I'm glad he agrees. So. I don't think he's ever heard a cat before. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. Thanks Brenda. Thank you. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that recovery is a huge, huge focus of mine. I mean, with the increased amount of stress, with the increased amount of activity, with a lot of changes, you know what? It just wears you down. It absolutely just huh, takes the wind right out of you. And if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of anything else, right? COVID particularly has really shaken up a lot of things and our recovery we never really got a lot of sleep. You know, look, this is what we do in HR is a very sedentary job. It really, really is. And I've, I've done a lot of things in the re last recently just to actually get me out and do better for myself. But one of the things that I've been focusing in on is my sleep and inflammation to my system specifically. And one of the things that I absolutely love taking <clears throat> is Naked Warrior Recovery CBD gummies. This is one of my favorite products of all time. Right now, I actually, my ears are ringing significantly as, as I'm actually recording this. Um, and it's a side effect of two things, thyroid issues that I've had and stress, right? I take a CBD gummy and that tone actually starts to go down. Things start to happen. I actually get better sleep when I take a CBD gummy now because it actually forces my body to, to go into that, that state of relaxation, and it really, really, I don't need very much, right? I'm kind of a lightweight, I guess. But it has no TCH, uh, THC in it. TCH, I just made up a new thing. THC in it, okay? So, you know, we, we set the expectation, right, in HR, but it is THC-free. And really, 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 really good. And they taste even better when they're coming from the freezer. I kid you not. So if you'd like to learn more, about Naked Warrior Recovery CBD gummies, go ahead and visit the website. If you're interested in making a purchase, use this following code and you'll get 20% off on your first shipment. And that is Naked HR. No lie, Naked HR. <laughs> it's an HR neutral moment there, right? Um, but yeah, check them out. You know, look into them. They, they, the product line is expanding as well. 
great stuff out there and you're really going to enjoy it. All right, so we've got several more months in the year and we've got planners still available. If you have not ordered your, the best HR planner on the planet, you've got another nine months <laughs> to use it for, all right? By all means, check it out. It's 60 pages of awesome goodness. It's got you know, information about, it's got a 12-month overview calendar that helps you identify what compliance issue, uh, tax uh, things need to be done and when they have to happen. Um, there's, you know, tons of information if you wanted, if you need to put together a job description for your position, which is not uncommon in HR. It's got an actual 12-month planner in it. It's got all sorts of good stuff. It's got a link to a secret resource page on my website you'll be able to find and you can get your copy over at brendathehrlady.com by clicking on shop at the top and grabbing your copy for sure and it's absolutely awesome got a ton of really great feedback and it's actually gotten into the hands of some practitioners and some pretty big companies so it's awesome to see it circulating out there so those of you who have purchased a planner thank you very much i hope you're getting great use out of it would love to hear how you are doing with it so please hit me up on instagram or on facebook send me a direct message would love to hear it can't wait and you can also email me your HR questions because you know I love those things, right? You can submit your questions on Brenda the HR Lady by clicking on the podcast link from the menu down towards that bottom of the page is a submission form for you to post your question, which you may, which I may read and answer in an upcoming episode. You can also DM me on Instagram and you can also D uh, message me on Facebook, okay? Now, one of the questions that has come up is that my bit, it comes from one of my followers. It says that my biggest challenge is keeping up with all of the changes. I work at our headquarters and we operate in just about every state. So it's challenging to keep up on employment law changes and such. How do I keep up? I'm really glad you asked that question because that was something that I had a challenge with when I first started as well. And back when I first started, there really wasn't a lot out there other than SHRM. And SHRM only had a certain number of articles pertaining to anything at that time. And, you know, there's a lot that's changed. Um, you know, there's a lot of blogging that's going on now. There's a, but it just, it takes a lot of time to find it. And I know you guys, you don't have time. I know you don't have time because I used to sit in that seat. And I know exactly what you're going through and I know exactly what you're feeling. You have to find the time. Does it make sense? Is this the right moment for me to read this? And what happens if I have to come back? Am I going to remember that I have it? And how do I find it again? Oh my gosh, what happens if it goes away? Right? <laughs> Did I sum that up well? So there is actually something out there that you can tap into that will absolutely help you out. And we've got a direct link to it. Not to mention, this is going to, there's going to be, there's improvements on the horizon. All right. Cannot wait till this, these, these little things start happening and it's going to take place over in August. It's called the HR resource site. And this, you can actually, if you go over to Brenda, the HR, Brenda, the HR lady.com, click on HR resource site up at the top. It's going to open you up to a ton of information. It has a lot of the necessary basic information without you having to dig through pages of SEO'd content so that you can really stand out from that competition, get that HR expertise, support your company mission, and really be that sought-off leader in your space, especially when you are just starting, all right? It gives you, my favorite part of this, and I absolutely love this, is that the site offers exactly what you need, a consolidated wealth of HR information to tap into, and it includes updates from COVID, employment law legal updates, litigation 
Collective bargaining and unionization updates, affirmative action EEO1 reporting and OFCC updates for government contractors, and information on disability. You get real-time comprehensive updates for individual states as well, and over 100 streaming articles at any time from nearly 70 resources across the U.S., and we have one in Canada. There's also some downloadable HR tools, videos, case laws, and more. And this is only going to get better. One of the things that is coming is that if you are a member of this site, you will actually gain access to a closed Facebook group where more information will be made available. Plus, you'll be able to do a live Q&A session with me on a date to be announced every month. So yeah, we got an opportunity to, to really get you some really great information. Here's the awesome part about it. This is something like this is going to cost a lot, but we know times are tough. We know companies are not able to really help invest in you. So we want to invest in you. And we're making this affordable at $9 a month. That's it. This is a lot of information at $9 a month because we know not everybody's going to get the, there's not going to get the corporate or the business support. So in order for you to get your information, to feel confident about what you're doing, to have access to the things that you need to have access to and not spin your wheels and spend a ton of time looking for things, this is the service that is going to help. I, it, you know, what you spend in one month is less than what you spend on coffee in a week. Let that sit in for a second. What you spend for a month to get this service, $9 is less than what people spend for a week in just buying coffee, right? Super affordable, month to month, and we're going to start a new level of engagement with it. All right, the value of something like this, well, what people would well pay over $250 for, we're giving it to you for $9 a month. So sign up today. Go ahead, check it out. And you know what? We have a 15-day love it or get your money back guarantee. If the first 15 days you're not excited about this and you don't see the value in this, you know what? We'll give you your money back. No problems and no questions asked. So we want to, we want to, I want to help support you guys, okay? We want to get this information out because I talked to so many of you and I just know how frustrated you are. So the more information that you have available at your fingertips that you can reference and check in, sit down, have your first cup of coffee, just kind of get caught up in what's going on in the various states because people are writing about this, but there's just so much information. It's information overload. Get it consolidated, get it sent to you and it'll help you guys out. So love it. So thank you so much for asking. And look, folks, thank you so much for yet another awesome episode I uh, hope you really got a, a lot out of listening to Rich. Um, get the book. It's absolutely awesome. It's fantastic. Attributes. Hope you enjoyed the story about me hugging his twin brother, which I didn't know he had a twin. But anyway, hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day, the rest of the week, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, folks. Bye.